This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Here you go. Here you go. Nada. Nietzsche. Nil. Nothing personal. Word of the day is any word that you can come up with that means zero. On a scale of one to ten, zero. I chose nada. So many other great words. Remember Love Actually when they're going back and forth when he's going to go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Colin is because he wants to find women and he thinks that he'll do better in Wisconsin than he can in England. And he's speaking to his friend and he says, nada, yet. Anyway, zero. Why is that my word of the day? We got big news, ladies and gentlemen. Today is July 21st. In nine days, the National Basketball Association will commence its sprint to the playoffs within their bubble. And they announced this is the new thing. Every other day, we get a new league with new stats. Thousand people tested. Top five answers on the board. How many people tested positive? Point oh oh one two six five nine percent Four players, a quarter of a staff member. That's what we're getting. But the NBA released something yesterday that said since July 13th, over the course, I guess, of seven days, they took about 376 tests within the bubble, and they had zero, zero positive tests. So everyone got all excited thinking, that's it. We've got ourselves a working bubble. And I'm in. I want to tell you why the NBA is doing this, along with MLS, which announced zero positive tests in their bubble. The National Women's Soccer League announced zero positives in their bubble. MLB has made announcements with the union collectively about how great their positivity rate is. It's, it's de minimis. So does it mean when there are no positive tests in the bubble that by definition, the bubble is then working? So the way you know whether a bubble is working, picture when you're, have you ever been with kids and you blow bubbles and you stick the, the stick in the can of bubbles, you take it out, it's got that film over the circle at the end of the stick, and then you blow on it and a bubble comes out and the bubble looks great, and everything's fine, and the kids are happy, and then all of a sudden, the bubble bursts, and the kids cry. And you re-dip the stick in, do it again, and then you're rushing because you don't want the kid to keep crying because your ears are about to fall off, and you feel like you're disappointing your kids. So you quickly stick the stick back in the bubble, vat of bubbles, you do it again, and because you've rushed, you don't get any bubbles at all. So then you slow down, you put it in the stick gradually, you pick it up again, you get the film, then you blow, and then a bubble comes out. And then you're happy, and then the entire thing happens again. 
and you have to keep doing this because what's fun for a kid once you have to keep doing. And am I the only person granted I've never been nominated for father of the year, but am I the only person who by accident would kick over the little thing of bubbles? Oh my God. I can't believe I just tripped over that. Okay. We have enough for one more. And then all of your bubble solution is gone. I can't be the only one. I'm going to be the only one who admits it. I bet, but you've all done that. You've all done that. So we're supposed to believe the NBA bubble's working. We see pictures of scrimmages. We see pictures of players who are paying attention. Only one player, that guy in the Kings, left the bubble and then was quarantined. People have entered the bubble quarantined. They've been fine. They get tested. So what needs to happen to make sure that the National Basketball Association and these other leagues who are playing within a bubble stay at zero? And is staying at zero actually necessary for the NBA to compete and continue? So I've always believed that by definition, these sports leagues have all come to grips with the fact that they're going to play through positive tests. There's no specific number in mind, and we spent some time on nothing personal trying to figure out what that number could be. Is it three out of the five starters for a team that would cause a forfeit? Forfeit? Are they just saying that if players test positive, then it's like they're injured and you've got to go deep into your bench, or it's like they've been suspended for a fight, you've got to go deep in your bench? But celebrating the zero bubbles is done, the zero tests, not the zero bubbles, celebrating the zero positive tests is done as a way to gain public trust. It's as a way to say that the protocols we have in place have led to the safety of all those in the bubble. What they're not saying is that they're not testing all people who come into contact with with players in the bubble. They're testing the players every other day. Some leagues are saying we're going to do it every day, every other day. If you test positive, we're going to do it every day. If you've been around the people who've tested positive every day. So there's all sorts of different rules that are going on. But it's all about spin. Because what the leagues have to do is you have to believe that what they're doing makes sense, that it's smart, that it's not putting anybody's life or health in danger, and they're not using any resources that need to be used for the benefit of the general public. So there's been some articles that have come out about the number of tests that are being taken by these professional athletes and how quick the turnaround is. Unlike when normal people take a test and it's eight days, 10 days, 12 days, 14 days, these are overnight, sometimes 36, sometimes 48 hours. But in general, the turnaround is super fast. But then we know that they're using labs that regular people don't get to use, or they're using kits that regular people wouldn't have access to. All of these things are being told to us so we can feel better about watching sports again. Because it's not about going to the games. They're not trying to get us to go. In normal situations, we are supposed to feel good about sports because we want to go to games, because they want us to go to games, because that's how they get revenue. But in this case, it's all about ratings. It's all about keeping the sport in a place where corporate sponsors aren't going to run away. It's walking the fine line that's going on politically with COVID and all the other issues that are happening that have become totally politicized. It's about leagues trying to stay, if possible, as neutral as possible, while saying they're giving all players a platform to express their individual thoughts, desires, and needs in terms of educating or taking a stance. 
So all of these different balls are in the air for all the leagues. So one of the ways that the NBA and other leagues are trying to get you to not pay attention to what's going on in the left hand is to have you focus on what's going on in the right hand. And what's going on in the right hand right now are zero positive tests, nada, but that's until July 20th. What will happen the next week? The next week, they've got to get to October 12th, which is the last day of a possible game seven. Do I think they'll get there all the way without any more positive tests? I think I'm about as likely to be six foot six as any league will get to the end of a season without a positive test. And that doesn't mean the games won't continue. It doesn't mean I'm not unbelievably excited for professional sports to return, but I am at least aware and now you are of the different things that leagues are doing to make sure that you're focusing on exactly what they want you to focus on. The NFL is actually pretty good about this as well. They've been doing, they got to see what MLB did and how bad that fight was between MLB and the MLBPA. They got me to do a way to see that there's going to be competing statements. They got me to admit that it may not happen that way because they've got owners and players tweeting and different things happening. And so drips and drabs of information are coming out. If you listened to Nothing Personal yesterday, we told you that at the end of the day, there were going to be no preseason games because they don't care. Owners don't care about the business of the preseason games. The readiness of the players, not all that relevant to the revenue that the teams receive. So yesterday, the NFL very quietly made a proposal to the Players Association because they're still working on a return to play with training camp opening a week from today. A week from today, we're going to know if one of my old wait to sees comes true because I said training camp will be delayed. Drips and drabs. The NFL owners offered zero preseason games. They started at four. They went to two. The players, when the owners were at four, were at zero. When the owners moved to two, the players were at zero. The owners moved to one. The players were at zero. The owners are now at zero. The players are still at zero, but now focused on health protocols. But we're hearing that they're very close. We would always love to leak that information. We always want the media to report. We're very close. The Marlins are very close to a deal with John Doe. I like doing that even if we weren't close because then it gets people thinking that we're actually doing stuff. So the NFL has been trying to figure out how to come to an agreement on health and protocol. They didn't do a great job on the concussion side. So they're trying to figure this out on the COVID side. So now what they're going to do purportedly is they're going to test all players every day for two weeks. And then every other day thereafter, assuming the positive rate for COVID testing remains 5% or below. Now, to give you an example, in Florida, our current positivity rate is around 19%, but it's an absolute petri dish here. In theory, the NFL, even though they are not going to be in a bubble and they're going to be traveling, there's a possibility to keep the positive rate below 5%. But if they do go above 5%, then they will return to everyday testing. So that is the preliminary possible agreement. But there's still more. They still have to go through how they're going to take care of players and money and bonuses, what happens with positive tests, what players have to do once they're positive, what teams will have to do, how they need to retrofit not just their clubhouses, but the field and practices. 
We saw a timeline released today with the NFL of when they can do practices with pads. It's going to be a, a few days, quite a few days after they report to training camp. But everything is not wine and roses in the NFL. There was a tiny little leak yesterday, which must drive the NFL bonkers. Remember the uh, great coach for the Los Angeles Rams? His name is Sean McVay. He was the wonder kid. I think the Rams won a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Then they overpaid Jared Goff, and now they still have him, and the Rams haven't been as good. I think I've got that team right, Coco, but I could be wrong. Yes, they lost in the Super Bowl, so they've never actually won the Super Bowl. Thank you, Matt. Isn't that amazing that you focus on a season, and we play this memory game all the time in the office back when we would go into the studio at CBS. Can you name the last 10 Super Bowl champions? That's hard enough. Can you name the last 10 Super Bowl game losers? I would say off the top of your head, there is a very small percentage of the people. Now, it doesn't require taking some sort of dementia test. It doesn't take sort of figuring out which animal's which. I'm just saying, can you name the last 10 Super Bowl losers? I can't. I'm trying to think of even last year's Super Bowl. And as I'm doing the show, as you know, 45 minutes, I've got some segments. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about deep into the segment. I cannot. Re- oh, of course, Patrick Mahomes. Now, who did Patrick Mahomes beat, Coca? One year ago, who did Patrick Mahomes, the 49ers? I wouldn't have gotten that. I would not have remembered that. They were a good team, though. So in any case, Sean McVay was this amazing coach. But he feels like he's a little more experienced, so he gave a radio interview. Now, radio interviews often get now because of social media. They are released in segments. I do that the same. We released on Twitter at David P. Sampson, part of the Jonathan Holloway, the president of Rutgers, part of his Sampson sit-down. We teased it by saying Jonathan Holloway talks about the return of college football. It's straight clickbait. We want you to click, and then we want you to download, subscribe, and listen to the show. He did talk about the return of college football. I'm not saying that we discovered the cure for cancer here, but we had a very important, interesting conversation about it. But there's so many ways now that information gets out. In the old days, when I first got into sports, it's not that old. It was 1999. You would do a radio interview and that'd be it. You know, if you said something bad, the radio station may call the PR people to say, are you aware of what Samson said? Then I'd have to call. I'd have to do something. But it was not like it is right now. So Sean McVay said something about it, talking about NFL playing, something about it tells me maybe there's a chance that things get moved back. That's what's weird because you want to make sure, as talking about getting the Rams prepared, that if we're going, we're ready to roll and we're locked in. But he feels as though there's going to be a delay in the season. There's been a lot of talk. Are they going to go from 16 games to 12 games? Are they going to think about delaying the Super Bowl and delay the entire season one or two weeks? It is such a magilla to delay a Super Bowl that I do not see that as a possibility, even though they're saying it is. I think it's more likely that they would have to cancel by weeks. But I still think that NFL is going to start on time. They are going to do everything they can to start on time. I'm not sure the training camp is ready for July 28th. I find that to be bizarre still. But when you've got a coach saying that he thinks there's a chance that things will get moved back, if you're the NFL, you're doing two things. One, if you know for sure right now that you are not moving back, that you're starting on time, you're calling up the president of the Rams and you're saying, listen, Please talk to your coach. 
We do not want any soundbite out there that there's anything other than complete unanimity of purpose and of desire of starting on time. If, however, the NFL is aware that it is very likely that training camp will not be started on time and the regular season will not be started on time, then you start releasing through messengers the possibility. It's like trial balloons. You get Sean McVay to say, I'm not so sure, I'm nervous. Then you'll get another coach, maybe an owner, and all that will build up to the crescendo of the announcement. But if Sean McVay was out there doing this without permission, off the top of his head, that is something that has to be stopped. And this is not about curtailing free speech for crying out loud. This is about having a message that we are in control of. Every league, every team, every executive, that is their main personality characteristic to get to that position. You are a type A control freak. You want to control what everyone says and does at all time because you believe that the only way to properly get a message out or to properly run and build your business is to control the narrative at all times. Trust me, it's exhausting. So you want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson is when we get the soundboard going, our new Coca soundboard, and it's from a movie called Half-Baked. There's a character in Half-Baked called Samson, spelled the same way, S-A-M-S-O-N. You go at David P. Samson on Twitter, get into my DMs, and then Coca plays this amazing new sound. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. Now, if you haven't seen Half-Baked, you really should. Not only is it funny, you don't have to be half-baked to watch it, but it certainly doesn't hurt. So you get into the DMs, ask me a question. Someone asked me today, or yesterday, news came out that Dr. Fauci will be throwing out the first pitch of the Major League Baseball season. Where's the first game? You know well, because it's July 23rd, two days from now, at 7.08 p.m. in the nation's capital. Washington Nationals will be hosting the New York Yankees. Garrett Cole against Max Scherzer. Boris v. Boris. This is when the president would be throwing out a first pitch. Very often, presidents throw out first pitches to start a season, especially when the season is starting in Washington. Especially when the Nationals are the defending World Series champions. The question asked of me was, why is Dr. Fauci throwing the first pitch in Washington? And is this a statement made by the Nationals? Well, thank you so much for asking that question. It is 100% a statement by the Nationals. The Nationals are owned by Ted Lerner and his family, the Lerner family. Very big real estate people. Very wealthy. Very interesting, smart men and women. That whole family runs the team together. Ted Lerner used to be the control person. He won the World Series. I believe it was his 94th birthday. He gave up control of the team to his son, Mark. Do you think the learners chose Dr. Fauci 
by accident? Dr. Fauci has become one of the most politicized people in the country right now. You've got people on the right who think that he's a complete quack who should never be listened to. You have people on the left who believe that he's got all the information and that he's one of the only people we should be listening to. He is a longtime epidemiologist who has served under multiple administrations, those who wear red ties and those who wear blue ties. And he's always been the voice of science, the voice of reason. It's not that policy is made after scientists. It's that scientists give information and then policymakers make policy based on the best information that they can find. Unless you've been under a rock with your head in a sand, like an ostrich, you know that COVID-19 has become one of the most politicized issues in our country. And that's saying a lot given some of the other issues that are going on right now. Of all the people who could throw out the first pitch, Anyone remember back during quarantine so many months ago when the NFL had its draft? I have no idea what month it was, but the NFL draft was on TV. And do you remember when that started? There was a statement. It was taped, but it was still a statement by Dr. Fauci as part of the draft. And I said nothing personal. That was strange. It's not strange at all, actually, to have someone throw out a first pitch. It's necessary. The draft was April 23rd. Thank you, Coca. That is unbelievable. Almost three months ago to the day, it almost feels like three years ago. So when we're choosing people to throw out the first pitch, in a normal year, here's what we do. We get together once we have our schedule. We know what day opening day is. We know who we're playing. And we try to get the most famous person possible to throw out a first pitch, whether it's the president, whether it is one year we had Dan Marino, In Miami, that makes sense. But you always try to get, don't forget the Muhammad Ali first pitch. You always try to get someone who is, has a chance that when you have a press release, which you always do about five days prior to the home opener, where you give the information about the home opener, what you're doing, what you're celebrating, how early you should be in your seats, who's throwing out the first pitch, a little information about them, because you want to drive people to the game early because of two reasons. One, you want to try to lessen the traffic. And two, you want people in your control for as long as possible, because by definition, they'll have to buy more water, more beer, maybe even an extra hat, t-shirt, and an extra hot dog. So the longer people are in the stadium, the better. But with no fans in the stands, there's really no reason to have announced who is throwing out the first pitch. It may or may not even be shown on the network that's carrying opening day. But the learners do not suffer fools gladly. This was done purposefully as an absolute shot across the bow to the current president. But when you're the Washington Nationals, you have to be very careful the line that you walk because you need Washington. You need both sides of the aisle to pay attention to you because you try to have as many politicians, senators, congressmen in the stadium as possible. You try to get as many representatives in Washington to not just be fans of your team, but in order to help your team and your league accomplish what it wants to accomplish legislatively. We had a whole legislative department in MLB, still do. And I don't know if you're aware, we would give money to people on both sides of the aisle. And we would do that 
purposefully. And the reason why we would do that is that no matter who was in which office, we needed to make sure that they knew that we were supportive of them because baseball needs things from Washington, starting with never losing the antitrust exemption, continuing with all things. Remember when the minor leaguers did a class action suit because they wanted more pay and all of a sudden there was a legislative fix to this because it was said that they don't have to pay overtime to minor league workers, minor league players? I mean, for crying out loud, Nationals Park is only three miles from the White House. You think that the Nationals are not completely politically astute and politically involved? Of course they are. They could have had Ryan Zimmerman throwing out the first pitch. He's not playing. He opted out, but he helped them win a World Series. They could have brought back some of the greatest Washington Nationals, Washington Senators, and Montreal Expos of all time to throw out a first pitch. Maybe of Vladimir Guerrero, who never had a chance to get a ring. He was an expo. Maybe some of the great Nationals players, maybe some of the old Nationals managers. They could have brought out the owners. They could have brought out anybody. But they chose Dr. Fauci. It's going to be very interesting to see what the reaction is within Washington from both sides of the aisle to that choice. We won't know whether he gets a standing ovation or whether he gets booed because there won't be anyone there. Although MLB did announce yesterday, this was fascinating to me. While you're watching... ...or yay, and then in theory, the home team will pipe in the, the, the yay or the nay or the boo... By the way, I just got noticed that my internet is unstable. So I, I don't know if you can hear me, Coca, but it said internet unstable. I, when I first glanced at my screen, it actually said unstable, and I thought it said I'm unstable. But then it said internet after the I. So I think everything's okay. Of course, you're right. It could be both. So you can press a button. Have you ever been to a concert or been to any event where the, the lead singer goes to your side of the, of the house and says, you know, raise your arm, scream, and then goes to the other, scream, and then whoever screams more wins? Well, it's not going to be that way in the ballpark, but do you think that if people are booing Dr. Fauci and they hit boo on MLB, that the Nationals are going to pipe in a boo to something they had done? Do you think that a home game in Miami where very often the home team gets booed because they're fans of visiting teams, do you think that if the Mets are playing the Marlins and all the Mets fans press yay when a home run is hit by Pete Alonso, that the Marlins are going to pump in cheers? Give me a break. It's not going to happen. Well, I appreciate the fact that you asked this, and I can't even imagine what is happening right now. Coca wants me to mention one thing, and this is all from Coca. Coca wants to be the guy who gets to press the boo button over and over. That's Coca. That's what he would do. No matter what we do, yay or nay, like yay, boo, whatever, he'd be pressing the boo. But that'd be boring, Matt. There'd be all boos all the time. In any case, I don't think Fauci gets cheered. I don't think Fauci gets booed. Do the players maybe give Fauci a standing ovation? That would be interesting, although they're standing anyway for the anthem. Although, wait, they may not be standing for the anthem. We're going to get to that. Thanks for the so you want to talk to Samson. It matters to me that you're in there, in the Twitter, and I do appreciate you. So before we get 
to our next topic. I want to talk very briefly about what you can do if you're a fan of nothing personal. CBS asked me to do this, but I also am asking you to do it. If you click on a link in this podcast, wherever you download your podcast, there's a link to these podcast awards. It's done July 31st. So you just put in an email, go to the sports category, go to nothing personal, tell your friends to do it. I appreciate it. CBS appreciates it. I appreciate CBS. Top of everything, I appreciate you. So I was saying that it's possible that players will give Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, a standing ovation. They may be standing and ready for the anthem. And I said, they may not be. Well, we had our first example of a national anthem that made quite a bit of press. Can you name the manager for the San Francisco Giants, the 27th most irrelevant team this season? The San Francisco Giants. Who is their manager? I'll give you a hint. He got fired by the Philadelphia Phillies. Joe Girardi replaced him in Philadelphia. This man is replacing Bruce Bochy, who did not resign but retired in San Francisco. The same Giants who won the World Series in 10, 12, and 14. The same Giants where Buster Posey opted out and I told you it didn't matter and the Giants were happy about it. Well, the manager is Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler is quite a polarizing figure in baseball, having nothing to do with the national anthem. Gabe Kapler had a very hard time in Philadelphia. We called it early and often on the queue that he would not survive the season in Philadelphia. As you may recall, he was booed. He got the Coca Boo button being introduced opening day, his first game as manager. That's a new one. That does not happen often. So Gabe Kapler, along with many starting pitchers, many position players, many starters, kneeled for the national anthem. And Gabe Kapler came out and said, we chose to do that because we believe I want to support my players. And if my players want to kneel, I'm going to kneel with them. No sooner than this morning at 6.30 a.m., President Trump tweeted out that he's excited for live sports, but if anyone kneels anywhere, he's done. There's people who agree with him. There's people who disagree with him. I think we've made it very clear that kneeling for the anthem has nothing to do with veterans who you, you know from my trip to visit troops overseas, from my support of the troops, from my appreciation of the troops. I would never do anything other than genuflect toward troops and what they do to allow me to do nothing personal and all the other amazing things I've been lucky enough to do in my life. It's only because of troops and what they do to protect our democracy and our freedom. The kneeling has nothing to do with that. Am I surprised that Gabe Kapler was the first manager to take a knee? No. Gabe Kapler is trying as hard as he can to ingratiate himself with his players He knows that while this is his second shot managing, this is his last shot managing. If he gets run out of San Francisco the way he got run out of Philly, he will not manage again. The reality is that the expectations for Philly were way too high and he had no chance but, no choice, but he was going to fail. San Francisco, he can lose 100 games. Well, this year, what's the equivalent of 100 games? I guess if someone goes 20 and 40, 
that would be losing more than 100 games. So I guess 25 and 35, I'm not doing the math off the top of my head, but if you go 62 and 100, Coca, do 62 divided by 162, that'll give you a percentage, and then do that percentage of 60, and that's the number of games to, to be the equivalent winning percentage of losing 100. There's no way Coca's going to do that because he's got his finger on the button right now. So Gabe Kapler, I get it, win the clubhouse. But that clubhouse and that organization has a lot going on. Not only are they on the forefront of equality issues, diversity issues, you saw that Alyssa Nacken makes made her debut as the first base coach. Did you see that? First woman to ever coach a base during a game. She could easily be a coach during a major league game, depending on testing, depending on how things go. She is on the bench as a coach for the major leagues. We talked about it when she got hired. And then then she was actually on the field of play. It was outstanding. The Giants are really good about that. Listen, when you're in San Francisco, you better be good about things like that. But San Francisco hired and has a new president of baseball operations who is very analytically based. Gabe Kapler is very analytically based. I worry about the Giants winning anything close to 23 games, which is what you have to win to not, quote unquote, be a 100-loss team. So 23 and 20. 23 and 37. Any team that wins 23 games, that's basically losing 99 or 99 and a half games. Coca got that math done in a hurry. I'm not even checking it. I'm just assuming you're right. Although if you did that in your head, then I'm going to assume it's wrong. If you did it on the calculator, I'm going to assume it's probably right if you did the equation properly. So what did Gabe Kapler do yesterday in addition to kneeling that got my attention way more than anything else? He said that this season, the San Francisco Giants may not announce a starting pitcher until right before the game. Wow. Epic. I've thought of that before. I don't want to tell the other team who's starting. MLB makes us submit lineups now because of gambling. But I don't want to announce starting pitching three days in advance. I never wanted to do that. The reason I didn't want to do that is why give the other team an opportunity to prepare for who my starter is? I'm in with what the Giants said. We're not going to tell anyone who's starting. I was thinking, this is amazing, the simpatico that I have with the Giants. But then Gabe Kapler continued to explain the reason for the decision, and I literally almost fell off my chair. The reason why they don't want to announce a starter has nothing to do with not letting the opposing team know. They don't even want to tell the pitcher who's starting. They want pitchers to warm up before the game. Then they'll decide who looks the good, who looks the best, who feels the best, who's got the release going, who's got his pitches working, and that guy's going to start. Is this the way it's going to be now? You know, they've got players sleeping with bracelets, how much sleep they get, how many times they roll over, how many times they get up and take a pee in the middle of the night. And if they didn't get a good enough sleep, they're not allowed to play. If they've got four bad nights of sleep, they get a day off. If it's two bad nights of sleep, they hit lower in the order. If in the old days they hit a ground ball to third base, you make sure that 
use defensive shifts so there's 10 guys playing at third base. I get analytics. I'm not poo-pooing them. But in the real world of baseball, which worries me that we are going to a completely robotic place where GMs, managers will have no idea how to actually win in baseball. They will only know how to put robots on the field and have those robots perform to the level that they believe those robots should be performing. With total reckless indifference toward the human side of the game. You can't go to a pitcher 10 minutes before and say, you're starting. And by the way, the other two of you who are warming up, nah, you didn't look that great. Maybe in the fourth inning we'll get to you. Maybe you won't pitch at all. It's not going to work. There were some players during the course of my career who the general manager had said, listen, we're calling up this kid to start, but we're not going to tell him until the last possible minute because we don't want him to get all inside his head. We don't want him to freak out. But that doesn't mean we're telling him that day. The latest we ever told the starting pitcher he was starting, absent an emergency, when the scheduled starting pitcher couldn't go for injury or lack of mental ability or any other reason. The latest we ever told a starter was two nights before. The reason is that when you are doing a big activity like a marathon or you're starting a game, the most important night of sleep is two nights before. The night before you toss, you turn, you think you're going to be too tired and you're fine. Your adrenaline gets you through. I really hope Gabe Kapler and the San Francisco Giants don't go 100% analytics because it will just prove to me what I know is true already, that you have to have a combination. If you are too much analytics and not enough eyes, not enough feel for the game, you will not be successful. Gabe Kapler's biggest criticism is that he was too analytical. And by what he said yesterday, it seems like the Giants and Gabe are a perfect fit. And so's losing. 100 games. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk about marriage. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400 or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425 right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. 
That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back. I watched a TV series I had never heard of. I have no idea why I watched it. I didn't watch a trailer for it. I saw it on, I don't know what. I have the hardest time again. Was it Amazon? Was it Hulu? Was it Netflix? One of those three. It's a series from 2014. It went two seasons, 23 episodes, 22 minutes an episode, and it's called Married. It stars Judy Greer and Nat Faxon. Do you know Judy Greer? Judy Greer played the sister in Elizabethtown. Judy Greer played uh, one of the women in The Descendants. Judy Greer has had a varied career, phenomenal career, where you may not know her name, but you certainly know her face because you've seen her. A great character actress, phenomenally talented. Her husband in the show is played by Nat Faxon, who I'd never heard of. Nat Faxon, it turns out, is an Oscar winner for the screenplay for one of my top 100 movies called The Descendants, directed by Alexander Payne, who directed Sideways with George Clooney and Judy Greer. I didn't realize that facts had anything to do with The Descendants, but I did find it strange that several of, peop- several of people in The Descendants show up in this series. It's a series that was not highly rated, recommended. It only lasted the two seasons because it's a series about a husband and a wife trying to get through the day. They are cynical. They are grumpy. It also stars the brother-in-law from Fleabag, which was a great series. He's in this. Jennifer Slate. Do you remember Jenny Slate? I believe she's more famous for having dated Chris Evans for a while, Captain America, but I could have my gossip wrong. She is a very talented actress. Jenny Slate. The actor from Fleabag is named Brett Gelman. So it talks about what happens when you've got three kids and the everyday issues in a marriage, how you get through the day when money's a problem, when boredom's a problem, when fighting's a problem, when teenagers are a problem, all of the old categories of problems that have existed long before you were a parent and will exist long after you are no longer a parent. Why am I suggesting that you watch a few episodes? So you don't hear me say this often. You don't need to watch all 23. But choose five episodes. It doesn't, you don't need to know anything about the previous episodes. It's not a sequential series in that way. It's sort of a old-fashioned comedy in that way. But if you have an opportunity, please watch five episodes of Married. Tell me that you don't think Judy Greer's phenomenal. Tell me that you don't think that Nat Faxon is uber talented. And tell me that Gelman doesn't make you laugh. It's Married, the TV series. Okay, today is day 128 of the beard challenge. Two more days, haircut, beard, just you wait. Thank you for paying attention to the beard challenge. I want to end on what happened with uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. 
I just want to say that I was on record on CBS Sports HQ. I was on record yesterday on Nothing Personal that there was no way that the Blue Jays are going to play their home games in Pittsburgh. There's no way that Major League Baseball will allow two teams to share one facility, regardless that there's seven days when there's a conflict and that's it, and it can work great. I knew I had a problem when the president of the Pirates named Trevor Williams came out with the following statement. He said, in an effort to help in the return of the game we all love, we continue to have active discussions with MLB and the Blue Jays organization regarding the possibility of hosting games at PNC Park. That's in Pittsburgh. Now, why would he be having conversations with Major League Baseball? Well, because the Blue Jays need Major League Baseball's permission to play at a stadium. You actually, the way it works in the bylaws, you submit to baseball where you plan on playing your home games. Baseball approves that, and you are therefore able to host home games. Decisions have to be made because in eight days, there will be a game that the Blue Jays have to host against the Washington Nationals. Has to be East Coast because of travel. The Blue Jays are on the East. It has to stay in the East. Pittsburgh is, I consider that, East. Some people consider that Midwest, but it is what it is. It's close enough. Why are they talking to MLB? Because the Blue Jays, they're good. They're going to find a place to play. They got to figure out housing. But for the Pirates to host the Blue Jays, they need to be remunerated, don't they? They need to get paid by baseball or the Blue Jays. There's going to be additional operating expenses, additional cleaning expenses, additional uses of the ballpark that they wouldn't normally have to use because there's going to be an extra set of players. Not at the same time, but are they really going to want the Blue Jays being in the Pirates clubhouse? It's not going to happen. The Blue Jays home clubhouse. The irony is the Blue Jays players wanted a major league facility, major league clubhouse, major league weight room. I don't think the Blue Jays will share the Pirates clubhouse. It hasn't been announced, but if I'm the Marlins, I don't want anyone in our home clubhouse because it's way too much work and too risky. But you're talking to Major League Baseball because if you're going to take the risk and you're going to take the chance, you want to get paid. But then Trevor Williams, the new president of the Pirates, replacing the erstwhile president, Frank Coonley, said the following. This will be a monumental challenge for our staff. Open parens, we're going to have to get paid for it, close parens. But leaning in to help others is what Pittsburghers do best. If we are able to safely accommodate, open parens, spend more money on cleaning, close parens. Not only will it bring additional international attention to our city, by that he means Canada, if anyone in the Chamber of Commerce in Pittsburgh believes that Ontario, Ontarians and Torontoans, people who live in Toronto, are going to come to Pittsburgh because the Blue Jays are playing in Pittsburgh, it's not going to happen. But additional attention to our city, Trevor Williams continued, it will also bring with it jobs and revenue for local hotels, restaurants, and other businesses. Now we're getting to it. By standing up and allowing the Blue Jays to come play and being made whole if you're the Pirates, You get to go to your local politicians. This is a great move by the Pirates. Bob Nutting, the owner, Trevor Williams, the president. They had me at hello. 
they get to go to their local politicians. They get to go to their local business leaders and they get to say, look what we did for you during the time of pandemia. And they're going to want other things too. PNC Park's getting older. Am I being cynical? No chance. The pirates know as well as anybody. Every time you make a decision, you're doing it because of business. Not because you personally love the Toronto Blue Jays. 